Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello there, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. It's January, and I don't know about you, but everywhere I look here, everyone is sick. Cold, flu, strep, RSV, COVID, and all sorts of other bugs and viruses are everywhere right now. There are many reasons as to why it seems that they're worse more recently, and I think much of it is due to the fact that these viruses just haven't had a chance to really circulate over the past few years. But I also think it's less important to figure out why they're there, and more important to really look at what we can do to help us stay healthy this winter and beyond. And if we do get sick, how do we fight it quicker so that we could be sick for less time and with less severity? Because at the end of the day, who really likes to be sick, right? So today, I wanted to give you my latest updates on immunity so that you have all the latest information on foods, nutrients, and latest hacks to help you stay healthy this winter. My immune recommendations are always changing a bit as I see new research and try new things. And so I know I say this each year, but really, I feel like these are even more dialed in than last year. And dare I say, it's more effective than ever. With that said, though, I am very mindful that my advice is, of course, effective, but also safe. Many people don't realize that when you have Hashimoto's and any autoimmunity, really, you have to be really careful in how you're supporting your immune system. The reason is that when you have an autoimmune disease, the immune system is already overactive against your own organs. So for Hashimoto's, it's overactive to the thyroid gland, and for other autoimmunity, it's going to be overactive to some of those other organs. What many immune formulas do is they overall boost the immune system. And while that seems like a good idea, if you're fighting an infection, you stimulate the immune system so it helps to fight it. But what happens is when you stimulate the whole immune system and you have an autoimmune disease, it doesn't just fight the infection. It also stimulates the part of the immune system that fights your own organs. And we sure don't want that. If you know that you have Hashimoto's or any other autoimmune disease, or maybe you suspect that you have one, please be very mindful about herbs that are overall boosting. So some of the main ones are things like echinacea, astragalus, reishi, which is a type of mushroom, and there's a few other immune-supportive mushrooms, and also elderberry. These have been widely recommended recently for all kinds of infections, but they may cause more harm than good when you have an autoimmune condition. Now, these can be sold on their own, but also they're often found in all types of different immune formulations. So things like emergency and other synergistic formulas. So you really want to make sure that you check ingredients and look to see if these are in what you're taking or a synergistic formula that you're taking. And if you have Hashimoto's or other autoimmune diseases, these are things that I don't recommend because we don't want to overstimulate your whole immune system and create more of an attack on your thyroid or any other organ. However, not to worry, 
Just because these are not recommended, it doesn't mean we're at a loss. There are other nutrients that are not only super effective, but also very safe when it comes to both autoimmunity and preventing immune dysregulation. Here's my go-to list that I recommend for my clients, students, and I take myself along with my exact protocols for both general and acute immune support. By the way, if you're driving or somewhere where you can't take notes, don't worry. I have all of this detailed in the show notes so that you can easily refer to and copy by going to my website, healthmysterysolved.com, then clicking on episodes, and then from there, going to episode 135. Let me first tell you about the nutrients themselves, how they work, and why I recommend them, and then I will give you the dosages that I use for both general support to help prevent getting sick, and also the dosages that you would use if you are already sick, because those are quite different than the regular general dosages. So my first go-to, my power tool, and one that I think most people overlook is vitamin C. I have been using this for years with great results on all types of viruses, My recommendation for general immune support for a typical 150-pound adult is about 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C per day. Now, I personally use the C-plus Biofizz from Designs for Health. It actually makes this yummy fizzy drink. Or if you don't want to drink, you can do capsules. And I like Stellar C. Those are great from Designs for Health as well. For some sensitive individuals who have digestive issues, vitamin C could sometimes cause looser bowels. So if this happens to you, I really like using the liposomal vitamin C. Uh, One that I like is from Quicksilver. And it's a wonderful solution to this problem because it absorbs through the mucous membranes in your mouth first. And so then it's easier on your digestive system. The only downside is that with liposomal products, you do have to refrigerate them so they're not great for travel. Now, this is what you would do for general support, about 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C. However, the protocol changes a bit if you are already sick. And for my clients that contact me when they're symptomatic, so really for any infection, right? Cold, flu, RSV, COVID, or any respiratory illness, I, along with many of my colleagues, recommend that they increase vitamin C significantly for the course of seven to 10 days while they're not well. So what we would do is we would do this in divided doses and we would bump the vitamin C to about 5,000 to 6,000 milligrams. Since your body can only handle and absorb so much, I don't recommend taking all 6,000 at one time. You could do it in divided doses twice a day, three times a day, or four times a day. If you don't have a sensitive stomach, I really like using the C plus Biofizz because one teaspoon contains 2,500 milligrams. So if you mix that in water and sip on that over an hour, let's say, and then you do it again later in the day, now you just got your 5,000. If you prefer to swallow capsules, you can use the Stellar C. They're 600 milligrams, and then you can do those every hour or two. And if you have a very sensitive stomach, then you can use the liposomal, which you can do a few pumps of that every couple of hours, and that's going to be much easier for the stomach. So whatever works best for you, but you want to aim for about five to 6,000 milligrams of vitamin C per day. Now, using IV vitamin C is also great, but of course, it's not something that we can all get access to because it's pretty expensive and you have to go somewhere. And I find that taking vitamin C orally works just as well. My next recommendation is vitamin D, and it is imperative that our vitamin D levels are optimal as we are in winter and also as we head into spring, because most people are the most deficient in vitamin D in the spring, because if they don't supplement, they haven't had the sun since the summer. 
The dosage of vitamin D is going to vary some if you know your actual vitamin D status. And I like to have people somewhere between 50 and 80 in terms of ranges on the blood test. Now, the labs range are going to be between 30 and 100, but those are very, very, <clears throat> but those are very wide ranges. And so you want to be between 50 and 80 ideally. However, if you don't know your levels, but you have not supplemented with vitamin D recently, and especially if you live in a Northern Hemisphere, then 5,000 IUs of vitamin D would typically be recommended. Vitamin D is huge for balancing the immune system, which is why it's so wonderful for illness prevention, but also to help keep the immune system in place of homeostasis. This helps to prevent upregulations on your own tissues if or when an infection strikes. Vitamin D should ideally come with vitamin K so that we prevent calcification of tissues and organs. K acts sort of like a traffic cop or a navigator, and it helps to prevent calcium from depositing in areas where it doesn't belong because when you take vitamin D, it actually helps your calcium absorption. So that's why those two should go together. Now, vitamin D comes in capsules, but it also comes in liquid. Because it's a fat-soluble vitamin, it's a bit hard to absorb. And so for people who have digestive issues or absorption issues, I recommend a liquid D. There is one that I use from Designs for Health called Emulsi D Liquid, which is 2,000 of vitamin D and vitamin K. There's also another liquid called the Hypo Emulsi D. That one is a high-dose liquid, so one drop contains 2,000 international units. Unfortunately, that one does not contain K, but you can always take K separately. But that tends to get levels up very, very quickly if your levels are low and if you've had trouble in the past to get your levels up. If you have good absorption and no specific digestive issues, then vitamin D capsules are fine. My go-to and the one that I use is the vitamin D Supreme that has 5,000 IUs of vitamin D, as well as a little bit of vitamin K for balance. If you don't have recent vitamin D blood tests, please ask your doctor to check your vitamin D levels at your next appointment when possible. So this way you can really tailor your dose. But if you don't have them, you could do between 2,000 and 5,000 IUs of vitamin D in the meantime. The next nutrient is zinc. Zinc is not a new recommendation and it's been widely talked about online and in the media and so many people have been taking extra zinc. However, what most people don't realize is that zinc mainly stays outside of the cell. And for optimal immune support, especially if you're already sick, getting zinc into the cell will help to actually deactivate the virus. There's a medication that has been used off-label for COVID actually over the last two to three years. And interesting, one of the mechanisms of this medication is that it acts as a zinc ionophore, which means that it helps to get zinc into the cell. However, medications can be controversial, especially when used off-label. And of course, you need a doctor to prescribe it. And so there's a few issues that can come up. But we have something else that can help to get zinc into the cell, and that is quercetin. Quercetin is completely natural, no prescription necessary, and does not have any controversy around it. Quercetin is great at getting zinc into the cell and accomplishes exactly what we need there. And of course, it's not just COVID because any virus is going to be in the cell. So it's great to help zinc get into the cells quicker so they can deactivate any virus. It doesn't matter what the virus is. So dosages for zinc is about 30 milligrams just for prevention and general immune support. However, that dosage goes up to 100 milligrams per day for about seven to 10 days if you are already sick. 
And for quercetin, I use the quercetin and nettles from Designs for Health and recommend 250 milligrams for prevention. And if you're sick, then 1000 milligrams for seven to 10 days. Zinc and quercetin are definitely a power couple and a great combination. And quercetin is something that I've added to my protocol over the last year or so and seeing really, really good results with both prevention and healing from infection. With zinc though, please keep in mind that zinc will push out copper. So you want to make sure that those minerals are in balance. If you've been taking extra zinc for a long time and have not balanced it with copper, please be sure that you have a bit of extra copper in a multivitamin. You can get copper separately as well, or you can consume more things like avocados and nuts that tend to be higher in copper. Copper deficiency could potentially lead to more bacterial infections and problems with the blood and even things like aneurysms. A hair test is a great way to measure levels of both zinc and copper. So if you're worried, you can always consider running a hair test. It's quick, it's easy, and it's really not very expensive. I'll put a link of that in the show notes so you could take a look. And if you'd like to see, you can even order one on your own. And then when you get the results, or if you have already done a hair test and have recent results, you would want to look at not just the individual zinc and copper levels, but the ratio of the two. Ideally, the zinc to copper ratio should be around eight. So if you're lower than eight, then you can use more zinc. However, if you're above eight, you would need to make sure that you take extra copper along with your zinc, or you can even have a multivitamin that has copper in it. That will help as well. My next biggie is garlic, and I love it because it works well and it works quickly. And I also typically don't see many side effects with it. It has not only antiviral properties, but also antimicrobial, and in general can work on bacteria, yeast, and other bugs. I don't recommend taking garlic long-term though, or for general immune support, unless of course you're working on a specific protocol with your practitioner. But for immunity, I like using it as needed. If you're around those who are sick, and maybe you have been exposed, if you feel like you're coming down with something, and of course, if you're already sick, but I don't recommend it ongoing. The reason for this is that it can affect your microbiome by using it for months and months at a time, and that's not good. Plus, your body can get used to it, and then it won't have the same effect when you are sick. Now, there's tons of garlic supplements on the market, and I've tried so many over the years. My go-to, my absolute favorite, one that I think is the best hands down, is Alimax. I like it because it's potent. It Actually, it's a patented allicin extract, which is very potent. And the other thing is it has hardly any odor. If you've taken garlic pills before, you probably know that it's not always fun for others that are around you. This one is different. You don't burp up garlic. You don't really taste garlic or smell like garlic. That's a good thing. Now, I recommend six capsules a day, so usually three in the morning and three in the evening for the duration of the illness, so usually for about seven to 10 days. And if you feel like you're around people that are sick or you've been exposed to something, you could just take it for a few days and that will help. It's one of those things I always have on hand and take it if Jake or Julia come home with a runny nose or if I'm feeling off. It works so well and so quickly as well. I actually even have Jake and Julia take it. It comes in capsules, but I open the capsule and I put a little bit on a spoon and I usually mix it with applesauce or another kind of food and then I have them take it. They're used to it now. They know, okay, we need to take our garlic. Our nose is runny. If you do open the capsule, you do smell it a little bit. So when I give it to them from an open capsule mixed with food, there is a little bit of a garlic odor that way. But if you were to swallow the capsule, I promise it's really, really mild and I find it better than most other garlic supplements out there. 
There are two others that have been staples for me both at home and in my practice in the last year, and those are liposomal glutathione and SPM. And the reason for that is those two work as natural anti-inflammatories, antioxidants, and immune balancers. So this is not something that you have to necessarily take on a daily basis, though if you have a lot of inflammation, it does help a lot, but specifically for infections and when you're sick, because we know that being sick in general is going to naturally upregulate your immune system, whether you take something or not, when you have Hashimoto's or any autoimmune disease, that upregulation can sometimes create a flare-up. This is why so many people experience Hashimoto's flare-ups after COVID, but flare-ups can come from any infection, RSV, it could be the flu, it could be anything. So I find that in addition to the others that I just mentioned, taking glutathione and SPM can help to further balance the immune system and can help prevent those flare-ups. So for glutathione, there's two that I like. One is trisomal glutathione by Apex, And there's also another one called liposomal glutathione from Quicksilver Scientific. For trisomal glutathione, that is an Apex product and you have to be logged into my website to be able to view it. So if the link doesn't work for you, you just have to log in and then you'll see it. And then with the liposomal glutathione from Quicksilver, anyone can view it even if you're not logged in. Now, in terms of instructions, I recommend one teaspoon of glutathione. And for general inflammation and general immune balance, it's good to take at that dose. When you're sick, then you can take two teaspoons a day for about seven to 10 days. That helps to further balance the immune system. And then for SPM, the general dose is about two a day for overall inflammation. But when you're sick, I actually recommend six a day. So that's typically three in the morning and three at some point in the evening or around dinner time. And same time frame for that, about seven to 10 days while you're sick, which really will help to balance the immune system. There are two brands of SPM that's available. One is from Designs for Health called SPM Supreme, and one is from Metagenics called SPM Active. Both are wonderful. The SPM Active might be slightly stronger, but it's also more expensive. The SPM Supreme from Designs is very, very effective. It just has a slightly lower dosage, but it also is a little bit less expensive. I'll put both links in the show notes. This way you can check them out. So the protocol for if you are sick is to use these nutrients for seven to 10 days. And so that would be vitamin C, at about 5,000 to 6,000 micrograms. I personally really like the C plus biofizz. I just find when it fizzes and you mix it in water and you drink that fizzy water, it like almost feels like it goes in and starts fighting stuff. It just feels really good. So I enjoy that. There's also Stellar C in capsule form. And if you have a sensitive stomach, the liposomal C is great, but you do want to get five to 6,000 milligrams a day. And if you can handle it, you can even get a little bit more for the seven to 10 days. Vitamin D at 10,000 international units for the seven to 10 days. Zinc, I recommend 100 milligrams per day. I use the reacted zinc by orthomolecular. It's 50 milligrams per capsule and I do one twice a day. And then quercetin, I use the quercetin and nettles from Designs, six capsules per day. So that equals 1,000 milligrams. And typically you can do three and three, or you can do two with breakfast, two with lunch, and two with dinner. Just depends on how often you want to take them. And then along with that, we would do Alimax, which is the potent garlic extract, three capsules twice a day with meals. So typically three with breakfast or lunch, and then three again with dinner. And then SPM Supreme or the SPM Active, both are great. Three gel caps twice a day. So 
three in the morning and three in the evening with meals. And lastly, the glutathione, and you can use either the trisomal glutathione by Apex or the liposomal glutathione by Quicksilver Scientific. If you're using the trisomal, you would be doing two teaspoons a day. And if you're using the liposomal by Quicksilver, you would be doing four pumps per day. Glutathione is the only one that tends to work a little bit better if it's slightly away from food. So typically I'll either do it first thing in the morning or at bedtime. I also like to keep a lot of things away from thyroid medication. And since I know so many of you might be taking thyroid medication, it's better just to do it at bedtime. This way you're keeping things away from that morning thyroid medication dose. I know it's a few different things, and I know that you're doing more than just one capsule of each. So there's a few different things. But remember, this is only for about seven to 10 days while you're sick, and these nutrients really, really help to cut the duration, help you feel better, and help you as much as possible to prevent flare-ups. Now, if you're doing this for overall immune system support and you're not sick, then here's the summary of the recommendations. 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. Vitamin D is going to be based on your levels of D, but if you don't have recent blood work and you don't have your vitamin D, then typically at least 2,000 international units of vitamin D. 30 milligrams of zinc a day, and just watch your copper levels and make sure they're balanced. And then one quercetin, which is about 250 milligrams per day. You don't have to take the SPM or the glutathione necessarily on a daily basis unless you're doing it for other anti-inflammatory reasons. And you don't have to take the Alimax unless you're sick. That's not a longer term recommendation. That's only used when you're sick. In addition to all of these nutrients, there are other recommendations in terms of lifestyle, diet, and little hacks. One of my favorites is to really watch what's going on in our nasal passages and doing what we can to keep the nasal passages clean and clear. And that's because when you're exposed to an infection, it hangs out in your nose for a little bit and it incubates in there. And then from there, it goes down and starts to create bigger problems. So if we keep the nasal passages clean and clear, we actually can fight the infection before it goes in and creates other issues. So I personally use the Neil Medi, and that's similar to a neti pot, but in my opinion, I think it's easier to use because it's a bottle that has a little straw and then a little hole at the top. So you don't have to twist any sort of way. You don't have to try to hold the teapot. You basically just lean over the sink with that bottle and you gently squeeze, and that helps to irrigate. If you don't want to do that, Another good option is the X-Clear spray. So that's something that you can find on Amazon or you can get that at a local health food store. I think even drugstores sell it now. And X-Clear is a saline solution that has a little bit of xylitol in it. And xylitol is an antimicrobial that helps to also moisturize the nasal passages. And there's a little bit of grapefruit seed extract as well. So it's super clean. There's no chemicals in there. And then the benefit of the spray is that you don't have to worry about disinfecting bottles or having disinfectants distilled water, you could just spray and then you breathe it in and then it helps to clear the nasal passages and that works really well. It doesn't have that same kind of flushing as if you were to do the neti pot or the Neil Med, but it still does help to clear it and it's definitely very convenient to use. So if you're not cleaning your nose, 
definitely something that I would recommend. It actually helps you to breathe better as well and helps you not be as congested. And also if you are sick, very often, especially recently, I've seen people develop sinus infection from all of the different congestion. So by doing the X-Clear spray or the neti pod, it does help to prevent things from settling in the sinuses so much and hopefully can prevent having a sinus infection. The other big thing, and while I'm saying this last, it is certainly not least, and I would say probably my biggest recommendation, and that is to be aware of your mindset and stress levels. You may already know because I speak about this really often on the show, but there is an inverse relationship between cortisol, which is our stress hormone, and your immune system. So when stress is high and cortisol is up, our immune system naturally goes down. It's just as simple as that. So anything that you can do to keep your cortisol down and stress low is going to be key for you and your immune system. Now, as much as I love supplements, all the supplements in the world will probably not do all that much if you're super stressed. Anything that you can do to lower your nervous system, such as breathing, meditation, taking time for yourself, listening to music, dancing, laughing, you name it, it's going to help. So try a multifaceted approach. And if you're listening to this and saying, yeah, 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 I know I'm stressed, but who isn't? It's just a way of life. I get it. But please do keep in mind that stress is likely affecting you more than you probably realize. And your immune system is the first thing that can go. Don't underestimate the power of stress reduction. Even small things like taking a few breaths, reframing things, or just taking a few minutes for yourself to look out the window, to watch the tree sway in the wind. All of that really makes a difference. Also, remember that stress is all about perception. Two people can experience the same event, but their perception and therefore how they see it or speak about it to both themselves and to others is going to make a difference. For example, if something happens and you get upset, which is of course absolutely okay as you want to feel your feelings. However, if you yell, scream, and use words like, I can't believe this happened to me. Why is this happening? That is going to affect you differently than words that may be a bit less reactive and have less charge to them. So things like, I'm disappointed, for example, and asking questions like, what can I do to fix it rather than why did this happen to me? You see the difference there? Not only is this going to be more empowering, it is also not going to drive up your nervous system nearly as high. Now, also, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can never yell or scream or express your feelings, but think about the way you react to things. And if it's always in a very charged way, it may be driving your nervous system up unnecessarily and in turn, lowering your immune system. Another thing to remember is that we also have physical stressors, such as blood sugar imbalance. So if you're skipping meals or not eating in a balanced way where you consume too many carbohydrates without balancing them with adequate fat or protein, your blood sugar will go through peaks and valleys, and that can create a lot of extra stress on your body in addition to all of the emotional things that could be happening. So when you're planning your day, please be sure that you're eating regularly and that you eat in a balanced way. So every meal should contain a good amount of protein, lots of good, clean, healthy vegetables. And of course you can have carbs, just try not to have carbs by themselves. Always try to balance them with some protein and some fat, and that will help to keep your blood sugar balanced. And when it comes to mindset, while of course you need to take all the proper precautions and steps to help your body be at its best, try also to adapt a mindset 
that your body is strong, that your body knows how to fight infection, and your body knows how to heal. Having the right belief system is going to make everything work better. So to help our immunity, let's get our diets in check. Take the right nutrients that are both effective and safe, manage our stress, and create a more positive mindset. Adapt the attitude that you can and will stay healthy this winter and that your body is strong. You got this, my friend. And if you found this episode helpful, would you please share it with a friend or a family member? Also, I would love it if you could share it on Instagram. I love to repost these. And keep in mind that the answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.